happy Friday, everybody. Welcome into Mining Stock Daily. Hope everybody up north had a wonderful Canada Day, and I hope everybody in the United States has a safe and wonderful 4th of July weekend. Uh, we're going to have a long extended break over the weekend because the markets in the U.S. are closed on Monday, so we'll be back Tuesday morning with the morning briefing. A special thank you to Integra Resources, Corvus Gold, Rio 2, and Western Copper and Gold for your support of the podcast, along with many of our other sponsors that continue to support me and the team as we get, as we get our interviews out and send the content directly to subscribers. If you have any follow-up questions, please feel free to shoot me an email, trevor at clearcreekdigital.com. We have one interview, but two guests in the interview to share with you today. Since I was on a site visit in Nevada with Ridgeline Minerals, I was joined by Luis Rivera, Mr. High Grade Economic Alpha himself, and also Matt Geiger of MJG Capital, two very respected and well-known resource speculators and investors. So I get a chance to touch base with them uh, following our days on the ground there in Nevada to talk a number of topics. It, as it pertains to resource investing. So that's a great conversation. Always, It's always a real joy and very informative when those two join the podcast. So we're going to go directly into that interview, and we'll see you in the end. Thanks again, everybody. Have a wonderful weekend. Oh, and before I forget, before I forget, Kylie Williams, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for filling in. It's going to be a pleasure to see what you do over at AME in the following months and years. I'm sure we won't hear the last from you, though. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. So let's jump into my conversation with Luis and Matt. Be well, everybody. Uh, Trevor Hall here with Mining Stock Daily. Uh, got a really great interview. We actually have two guests to share in this one big part interview. Uh, first... We welcome back to the podcast two individuals, uh, Matt Geiger from MJG Capital based in San Francisco. Matt, welcome back to the podcast. Great to be here, Trevor. And uh, somebody returning to some mining media, love to see him, Luis Rivera, Economic Alpha, Mr. High Grade yourself. How are you, my friend? Very good, very good. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, let's get a quick glance at your thoughts on the junior mining market right now there doesn't seem to be a breath it seems very weak sentiments is poor and i have a hard time painting any sort of a pretty picture as we speak right now the final week of june um you know give us your thoughts where we are here in junior mining and, and the market itself we'll start with you louise well I, I, first i start by saying that uh pricing has been very disappointing um quite frankly uh, you're seeing um you know, the price action um, just not looking very good at all at this point. You've got uh, the junior miners just, just bleeding out pretty much every day, trading below their 200-day moving averages. The 200-day moving averages are trending down. Same thing with the price of gold. It's been it's been in this range bound from 1690 to, to 1900, and it's just not really doing much of anything. And, and so the one thing I keep thinking about is, is, is this different than, than 2013? And I think... I, I, I don't have the answer to that at this point, but what I, what I am seeing or, or thinking is that there, a lot of folks are thinking that way. And so it's, it's, it's causing a lot of caution in the, in the space and, and, and a lot of the selling that's happening. Um, and with gold price down as much as it has been down since the Fed meeting, 
um, you're definitely starting to see the pause. And ho hopefully we'll, we'll get a recovery here as the seasonality starts to improve. But that's, that's sort of the lay of the land from what I'm seeing. Did that reaction to the Fed meeting surprise you as much as it did most everybody else, it seems like? Not that it was surprising. Um, you know, I mean, I think at this point they, they need to address the, uh, the, the, the faster pace of growth that we're seeing in the economy, as well as the higher levels of, of inflation. So they had to set the rhetoric um, out in front of the, uh, the meeting um, in August um, that they're going to have with the Fed meeting. And, and so I think they needed to lay the groundwork for potentially uh, signaling uh, some sort of uh, a, a move that, as we know, you know, it's never really the actual move. It's, it's the guidance of that. Uh, but we're still sitting two years out from potentially any kind of, of, a, of a rate increase and, and at least a year out from any kind of uh, tapering event. So um, I think the market is just very skittish, um, be, being that two, two, 2013 was pretty rough for, for most in the sector. Um, and I, I think the, the, the charts kind of look very similar. If you think about it, if you look at the, re, the how the charts have been have been playing out, you know, gold barely made a new high uh, during this process, during this environment where, quite frankly, it should have been very bullish. Negative interest rates, uh, sizable fiscal deficits, a ton of QE monetary printing, um, and still was not able to hold the 2000 level or the prior all time highs of 1923. Um, so that's that's where the concern is. Uh, it's got to get back above 1900. It's got to reclaim the 200-day moving average. And I think once it does that, I think the miners will start to see it in advance. Um, so now we're just playing the wait and see game. Uh, Mance, turn it to you. You are much more. I pick. <laughs> I know you much more as an evaluations guy, uh, more than paying more attention to the macro fundamentals of, of, of the markets and what the Fed says. But uh, let me do pose the same question to you. Did the reaction from the Fed statement? Of more than a week and a half ago surprise you right well that, that is true I, I definitely try to you know uh, allocate the vast majority of my effort towards individual security analysis and and you know churning through companies and, and building a portfolio of 15 and 20 names it is of course that important to have you know a broader perspective on where we are in the, in the macro environment though um, you know I know there's a lot of frustration out there I don't want to come across as, as mr. optimism or glass half full guy un unrealistically but I, I mean I will remind folks that just within the past 12 months we've seen an all-time high on the gold price um, we've seen an all-time high on the copper price here just within the past 90 to 120 days and a lot of us investing in the junior space while 2021 has been a frustrating year um, just looking back to last year 2020 for a lot of us, that was the strongest year that we've seen performance-wise since 2016. So I, I actually think we're, we're in a somewhat decent decent place here. Um, I, I do try to take the longer-term perspective. And I guess what gives me conviction here, not necessarily for the next couple months or next couple quarters, but over the course of this this coming decade, is that if you, if you look at hard assets relative to financial assets across the board, we're still very cheap. Um, even after the strong run that we've seen off of the coronavirus bottom in, in February and March of 2020. And you can look at a whole host of metrics. You can compare just uh, commodity prices themselves, just compare the GSCI um, to the S&P 500. And, um, you know, going back uh, 50 years in this case, um, there's only been one occasion where we've, we've been kind of uh, remotely close to the, to the relative valuations we are now. And uh, you can also take a look 
at the earnings multiples being assigned the uh, major mining companies and other natural resource focused names um, on the, within the S&P 500 compared to the S&P 500 itself. And again, this is going back uh, 100 years on, on multiple levels. There's really only one or two other occasions where we've been this cheap as an industry relative to the broader stock market. And so that, that, gives, that gives me confidence here, again, over the medium or, or longer term. You know, th that said, I, I, do, I do take the perspective that what can happen, you know, what happens in the next 30 days, what happens in the next even few quarters is, is really anybody's, anybody's guess here. And, um, you know, uh, I, I guess the consolidation that we've seen this year um, seems to me to be somewhat uh, rational after the, after the strong euphoric move off of the coronavirus lows last year. So, you know, trying to, trying to keep things in, in perspective and... Um, you know, we, we haven't we've seen a lot of uh, strong action in terms of metal prices. Uh, we really haven't seen the junior space, you know, follow to all time highs yet. But to me, I view that more as an opportunity versus something to be frustrated about. Did, uh, and let me piggyback asking you the same question I first opened uh, uh, with Elise. But what what are your thoughts here? Like, again, this junior market is incredibly weak right now at this moment in time it seems just incredibly weak uh there's no energy behind it um but the contrarian to me says well if that's the way i'm feeling that should be my signal to maybe start considering purchasing do you share that right now because you haven't taken a new gold position in months <laughs> Yeah, we, we, we have we have been talking about that. I mean, we, we have not initiated a new position, um, precious metal focused position since Q3 of last year. But that that had less to do with market timing and more just the, the fact that at that point, um, especially given how strongly precious metals rallied off of that, that March 2020 low, our portfolio got to the point where it was 70, 75 percent weighted to precious metals. And that that was just too much for me. You know, we're, we're a full natural resource fund. I, I love our, our PM exposure. But but at that point, you know, it, it, it seemed a bit much. And it, and in hindsight, that was a good decision, good decision to make because it's been, uh, you know, we've seen an eight, eight or nine month month pullback. Looks like looked like things had turned just a couple months ago in March. But obviously, the price action in gold, particularly over the, the past few years, um, or sorry, the past few few uh, weeks has been has been pretty frustrating. Um, I will say though, on the junior front, again coming coming through at the optimistic tilt here, um, we, we are seeing discoveries rewarded, and that continues to be the place. So recent names like uh, I mean, Philo is kind of top of the list and most talked about, but also E seventy nine and uh, you know groups like uh, ASX listed Rumble um, have put out good drill results, and the markets re responded in a very strong way. Um, there's capital available as well. You know, every single silver company and their sister has raised uh, money here uh, in, in the past, we'll say, four to six weeks uh, with a half warrant attached, which is pretty company friendly terms. Uh, so that's positive. And then we do see names out there, you know, the chalices and newfounds of the world that are trading at multi-billion dollar valuations, uh, sans uh, a resource. Um, so, you know, there, there, there definitely is a bifurcation between the haves and the haves not in the space. But there, there, are, there are investors out there and company putting, putting out good news are, are being rewarded. Mm -hmm. So I think that's something to keep in mind. Luis, you're not really one to look at uh, pre-discovery plays. You're more of looking at development and cash flow post-resource. Uh, but given what Matt just said, that the market is rewarding discovery while everything is really being subdued uh, with with this lack of interest, you know, it, are you considering maybe looking at pre-discovery plays or you know, 
positions that just need some discovery hold because that seems like that's where the uh, the arbitrage might come from. Um, yeah, no, I think I think the uh, pre-discovery play is is something that's always constantly on my mind. It's uh, with with those. It's uh, for me, it's a little bit more uh, a, a riskier slice of the of the process. Um, but there's certainly uh, some that that, are, that look interesting, just from a from a, a due diligence perspective and and looking into it a bit further. But you know, when I look at it's definitely a bifurcated market. Um, for sure, the uh, there are some drill plays that that are getting handsomely rewarded, um, but then you see some of the you know juniors uh, who are producers or, or even the seniors who are producers not being rewarded for the cash flow and the free cash flow that they're generating. So it's a it's a bifurcated market, and you know one of the one of the things I look at is uh, the miners bullish percentage index. And uh, you know, at this point in the process, where gold is down to 1760, we're still at a 50, 52-ish level. And when gold bottomed at uh, 1690 back in March, that's when the miners bottomed, and and that index was down to 23 or 25. Um, so you, you're definitely seeing the bifurcation, but you're not seeing complete capitulation yet. Um, maybe there have been a couple days of that stuff, uh, but you know. I'm keeping I'm keeping myself open-minded, raising some cash, you know, still still playing with the uh, with the core and continuing to buy the core names that that have that have done well for me. Um, the thesis on those haven't changed, and uh, definitely open-minded to uh, some of these uh, pre-discovery uh, drill stories that uh, that I'm starting to look into a little bit more. Uh, you know, it's been pretty quiet for you the better part of 2021. Uh, you know, so how, when it comes to putting your own capital into this market. What have you been doing the last six months? Or even longer since, you know, let's say 10 months since August. Well, you know, I, I, I did I did tweet that I was all in on Kirkland Lake again back uh, when it was down to 32. You know, I averaged down into that. Uh, my timing on that was off. You know, I've been I've been steady with that one. You know, I'm, I'm, what I'm looking for in the second half on that one is is an update uh, from, from Fosterville, and, and they're supposedly having uh, an update sometime in the second half. That's really the the sort of the mission for me this year is to just kind of wait and see what how that plays out before I do anything uh, further. You know, just been averaging in and, and averaging higher on on Monero Alamos. Uh, it's a name I've been in since it was ten cents. Um, I like it. I continue to like it. Um, story just just keeps getting better. Uh, it's been trading sideways since since August in a long consolidation. I feel like uh, it's 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 due for a re-rating at some point here in the second half. Um, so hopefully, you know, the price of gold holds up but but some of these names like like a Westone for example um, who you know I've 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 scaled out of it and then and then, and then have come back in uh, on different occasions especially with the recent uh, discovery there uh, Keen is about to go online um, you know that's a, that's a name that's also you know it, it is corrected somewhat but it has outperformed um, in this downtrend in the gold price downtrend and that's what that's what I'm kind of looking for what are the names that are actually outperforming um, during this gold dip and uh, if it happens to be one you own, those are the ones you want to be adding to. Um, and then, you know, have a list of, of names that uh, are on your radar screen at all, t at all times. And, and, and when the price gets to your level, you know, you buy, you buy low and you sell high in this, in, this, in this market, in this industry, particularly with the metals just because of the cyclical nature of the business. But um, you're right. I, I haven't really been that active because, you know, at any given time, I'm I'm just sitting on you know three to five names, and I'm just waiting for the thesis to play out. And so that's sort of been my 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 modus operandi since I started doing okay. this. 
you get a pretty short list in your portfolio. I mean, I've got way more than that, my own personal. I mean, but so what, where is that balance between having an appropriate list of juniors or developers, mid-tier producers? You know, why, why do you keep it short? Is it just your own risk preference or is it you, you're playing the same names you have been for almost five years now, yeah. it seems like. And, and it's worked. It's worked. Um, and I think I think for me, it, they're, they're concentrated positions. And it's a very difficult thing to do in this in this industry is 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 concentrate your positions on a very select small names, but the way I look at it is um, once once I'm following the story I'm behind it a hundred percent, and uh, I do a lot of work, I do a lot of research, a lot of due diligence, and uh, I can't do that with a portfolio of of ten to twenty companies. Um, I just don't have the time to allocate for that, and it's not where my strengths are. Um, but you know, if I'm going to be adding pre-discovery names, I can certainly open up the uh, the potential for you know maybe f- five to ten names uh, at that point. Um, and so I've, I've got I've got some cash laying around to do that, um, waiting for the right time. I just need to see a little bit more um, proof that this is not you know 2013 again um, with with the Fed doing what what it's trying to do, and with you know the market doing what it's trying to do. So you know I, I'm a little cautious. Um, I was uh, I was a lot more bullish at 1900, which is kind of the the exact opposite of what you need to be doing, uh, but it's a very sentimental business, and um, you know s- price drives sentiment, and right now prices are down, and uh, it's probably a time to be buying, um, but 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 don't be buying just for the sake of buying, you just got to know what you own, and uh, you can get through any cycle with uh, with 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 owning you know with buying and owning what you know, yeah. and sticking through it. Uh, we have not had you on the show for quite some time, so I want to get a little high-level macro view from you. You and I are roughly the same age, and we were uh, chatting the last couple of days about just the chaos in these markets from, you know, over COVID 2020 into 2021. You know, as you kind of sit back and watch everything play out in these markets, what's something that's just caught you by surprise? Like, what is, you know, is there one event or is there one kind of a real big picture uh, scenario here that we're seeing all-time highs in the major markets. Uh, we've seen just an enormous amount of like call options, do the Robin Hood deal that's really, and what is it, what is it about 2020, 2021 that really has surprised you the most in the, in, in the markets here lately? I think I've just been caught off guard with, you know, how relentless uh, the move in, in the stock market has, has been. Uh, just just going up almost every day, small pullbacks, small corrections, and then and then back up they go, and that's just not stocks. I mean, it's 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 almost every asset class. You see junk bonds uh, trading at historically low yield spreads. Um, you're, you're, you you know you see real estate um, increasing in in the pace that it's increasing. You see the cryptocurrencies. You see uh, you you see the Wall Street bet Reddit names um, taking off. You know th- these are things that probably. I never, I've never experienced in, uh, in my career. Um, maybe a small sample of that was, you know, 2000, 1999, 2000. But I was still, I was still really young, and wasn't really in the market at the time. So that's that's probably the one thing that that is that is fascinating, to see what's going on with the markets. Um, you know, bond yields are still historically low. Uh, real rates are still significantly negative, and yet, um, you know, all these asset classes are moving in the same direction. And they're all and they're all going up, um, and so it, it makes it challenging to see that stuff happening, 
while your concentration is in, in a sector that might not be doing the same thing. So that just makes it a little bit more challenging as well on, a, on the psyche. Matt, same question for you. Uh, in the last year and a half, what's something out of these crazy markets that have just completely caught you off guard that you have, haven't necessarily been able to find the answer or the reasoning behind it? Right. Well, I'm, I'm still shocked by the strength of the recovery off of the, uh, the COVID bottoms of, of, of last year. And uh, I mean, it's truly a V-shaped recovery. I don't think anybody's disputing that at, at this point. And um, I mean, it's 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 been powerful and caught a lot of folks off guard. Um, you know, I, I to piggyback off of, of Luis's point and to to go back what I mentioned earlier, I'm, I'm less concerned about the junior space than I am about the activities and the behavior that we're seeing in the broader market, because when we have that next ri uh, big risk off event, um, there's no question that as junior investors, we're going to get punched in the teeth very hard. And, you know, you can you can expect 30 to 50 percent drawdowns uh, amongst your more speculative juniors. And I think psychologically, investors should should prepare themselves for that. And so, you know, when I do see the return of retail investors and mass to the market for the first time in over a decade, you know, when I when I do see the activity that uh, across SPACs or cryptocurrency speculations or, you know, U.S. markets trading at. Uh, not just at all-time highs, but also uh, earnings multiples and revenue multiples in the top decile of what we've seen historically. Like the broader market is priced for for perfection right here, and uh, things can run a lot longer than uh, than than you know r rational folks would think. So I'm, I'm not I'm not calling an, an imminent top here, but when things turn and they inevitably will. Um, we're we're going to get hit pretty hard uh, in in the nat resource space, um, even at even if it's at no fault of our own. You know, usually towards the top of bull markets, you see the excesses, you see GNA jump up, you see uh, miners making foolish acquisitions, you see retail investors behaving, uh, you know, very foolishly. Um, I think the industry as a whole is actually in a decent spot right now as far as the junior space goes. But again, if, you know, when we have that next big big sell-off in the broad market, it's going to hurt here r regardless of how we uh, behave as an industry over the coming few months. So I think investors need to keep that in mind. I think a good activity for investors is to go through their portfolio and whether it's three or five names like Luis or, you know, 20 to 25 names like we have in MJG and just go through the names one by one and say, what is the downside scenario for this particular holding in a worst case scenario? Does it go to zero? Um, does it, you know, is it half covered by uh, working capital and marketable securities? Maybe it's only 50% downside. Maybe it's only 30% downside. You know, look at where it traded down to in the depths of the COVID panic last year and, and think about how that would affect you psychologically as an investor if that happened again. And so I think all, all these activities are, are helpful um, because when things do turn, it will get ugly. Um, I could easily see a scenario where, you know, looking back in 2025 as investors were up three, 400, 500%. But, you know, looking back December 2021, just a few months ahead to where we are now, our portfolios could be down 30%, right? So it's important not to get washed out, you know, when that inevitably occurs. Maybe I'm being overly cautious, but this is such a speculative industry that I think it's better to, to, to err on the side of caution. Uh, there's been one idea that I've kind of been trying to work out in the back of my head for quite a while now. And I want to pose it to you because it's that idea of the the uh, the convergence between Wall Street and Silicon Valley and technology. Uh, we have a New Yorker here. Doesn't necessarily work on Wall Street, but we got a New Yorker on one side of the, one side of the country, and we got somebody from San Francisco here 
from the heart of the you know the technological hub of the country. And I'm just curious, have you have have you given any thought of like really how technology and big data has infiltrated the markets so profoundly in the last year? And how does how do we balance this? And on top of that, is there ever any do do you ever go back? That's a good question. Um, I guess the the thought that that comes to mind uh, right off the bat, um, and I'm taking it in a little bit of a different direction here. But to me, it's positive, and it shows that value investing is not dead. And value investing will always remain relevant, um, especially as you see the rise of passive investing, um, you know, via ETFs over the past decade plus. Um, you know, as you mentioned, there's there's more data, there's more machine learning, and there's more quantitative trading that we've than we've ever seen in terms of overall volumes as well. And uh, from my perspective, that's that's all well and good because those of us that are trying to take a more old school, you know, Ben Graham ask perspective, where you have an intrinsic valuation in mind and you're buying something, you know, at a cheaper price, hopefully thirty percent or more um, than that than that value. A lot of folks in the market these days, whether it's through passive or whether it's through quant trading, aren't aren't looking at these at these fundamentals. So again, maybe taking it more in the positive direction, but for 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 Years now, folks have been saying, you know, oh, Warren Buffett, what's going to happen when when everybody starts following your your strategy here? Your opportunities are going to dry up, and I think we're as as far from that as we as we've ever been. Um, and you can just look at the disparity in valuations right now between growth focused companies um, and and the value names. And uh, I think a lot of folks thought that there would be a turning point here. Um, you know, uh, maybe maybe the COVID crash, what was the turning point, and we're going to see value return with the vengeance. But in this V-shaped rally, that's that's just not been the case, and uh, and growth still still at the top of the heap. Um, but you know, I, I believe that things go in cycles. Again, they can they can last. Uh, markets can remain irrational far longer than you can remain solvent. Um, but by the same token, I think over this next decade, we're going to see the pendulum swing back. Um, we're going to see value. Uh, perform relatively better than growth. Um, I think we see emerging and international, just in, you know, in general, these are broad stroke statements, um, perform better uh, than, than the U.S. markets. And uh, I also think we, we, we see active investing uh, make a return here and, uh, and outperform passive over, over, these coming, over these coming years. But again, I'm thinking in terms of five or 10 years and, uh, and, and not in terms of uh, five or 10 months. Yeah, no, I would say, uh, you know, within the last couple of years, we've seen a new dynamic, many new dynamics in the marketplace, um, you know, aside from, you know, no other place to really put your money. Uh, Tina, there's no there there is no other alternative. I mean, stocks are, are the only game in town. You've got you've got rates uh, pretty much at the floor. You've got all of this um, money bank, um, central bank printing, and you've got all this fiscal stimulus all happening at the same time and then you add the fact that you've got you know you've got fintech companies like like a robin hood that have basically video gamed or the the process of investing where you can you know not necessarily swipe left or swipe right but you could just you could just make a couple of press a couple of buttons on the your phone the gamification in the industry you put all that together and uh you know from, from the points that were made earlier it, it's definitely drawn a lot of new money into the sector into the into the industry that would not have been in the industry in the in the past and then you add a, a, a situation where 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 the pandemic kind of stopped a lot of stuff from happening and people were home 
um, encourage more people to even invest in the marketplace. And it's, it's, it's creating all of these um, dysfunctional um, scenarios like we're seeing with some of these growth stocks. And, and yeah, so, so, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's understanding it. And if you can understand it and, and, and try and ride the wave because it's, 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 it's the new sort of market paradigm, uh, then, then, and, if, and if you can do that, then that's great. Um, for me in general, though, I like to kind of stick to my knitting, stick to what I know because, um, you know, markets are cyclical and in, in the long run, you know, you, you, you can, you can appreciate your process if you stick to it. And, uh, you know, I'm just not the kind of in investor that, that will chase something, um, that I don't know or, 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 or just chasing because someone else is chasing. Um, and so that's, that's the kind of, that's a lot of, a lot of different dynamics happening in a very short period of time, you know, and, and so that's influencing a lot of the price action that we're seeing as well. Uh, that, that was a big high-level conversation, uh, but I, I, I do want to put you a little bit on the spot here. Uh, you, The three of us have spent the last couple of days together. We are on a site visit in Nevada, uh, visiting a couple of the projects under the Ridgeline Minerals portfolio. Um, you know, I... Uh, Matt, as always, you have pages and pages and pages of notes. That's what you always do on a site visit. Uh, you have pages and pages and pages of notes in your own head, Louise. <laughs> so being around you a couple times, I know I know how the two of you work, as I'm sure you are have some ideas of how I work. But uh, you know, I just was curious. What what are some of the key takeaways over the last couple of days? What have you seen from Ridgeline Minerals, their properties, but also like you know Nevada exploration as a whole? Yeah, I mean Nevada exploration is 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 thriving. Uh, a lot of activity in, in the state. Um, you know, sp me specifically with 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 Ridgeline. You know, I just I, I like the team. Um, you know, the the, 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 the properties themselves. The, there's there's enough uh, activity going on uh, with with Carlin East and and and, and uh, Selena uh, specifically, uh, and even Swift. I mean, there's there's potential, and and so when when I look at pre-discovery plays, I, I just want to make sure, you know, I'm not going to beat around the rush, bush. I'm not a geologist by any means. Um, a lot of the times I do these site visits, it's more conceptual. It's more visual. Like, you know, I, I, I like to buy gold because I can hold it. I can feel it. I know what it is. It's kind of the same concept. Uh, I'm kind of underwriting the people behind it, you know, uh, the, the concept, the theories, and, uh, you know, in this particular scenario, they've got they've got four potential assets, and uh, you know, with a market cap of where it's trading, you know, to me, I don't have to be, you know, uh, perfect with this one. I mean, I think it's just you know, you can have one of the assets play out, and I th I think you'll do well. And so, you know, for me, that's that's my risk management framework. It, it's I, I want to de-risk my investment, and I need levers or levers to actually help me get there. Um, and then ho hope that you know I'm betting on the right people, the right geologist, um, the right the right leadership, and the right vision and concept is, is what will help me um, make a decent return. So that's that's the takeaway uh, that, that I that I took from from the site visit that uh, the last couple of days here. Matt, what did what did you take away from last? It's definitely been a whirlwind couple of days. We've covered a, a lot of ground here as a group. Um, you know, as as Louise said, we were able to visit Selena. Um, Carlin East and Swift in a, in a 48 hour period. And, uh, you know, I, I guess the, the projects, they differ, each of them. Uh, they, they stand on their own, but I, I think, I guess the one similarity is that they're, they're large opportunities. And, uh, 
and at least at least Swift, I would qualify as district scale at this point. Um, I think Selena's on on its way to to being uh, falling under that category as well. Um, I, I guess the biggest takeaway: Chad and I have known each other for a good couple years now, and we're in pretty close contact. But this was actually the first time we were able to to meet in person, and then also meeting his uh, his co-founder. VP Exploration, Mike Harp. I think they make a great team, honestly. I, I was very impressed. Um, and these these two guys fall into what I'd say is a pretty small category of, you know, company or geologist-run companies with leaders that are under, say, 45, you know, which is which in this industry, especially for geos, is very, very young. That actually live here. That helps as well. That helps as well. But it, it, it brings, you know, to mind a small uh, list of folks uh, you know, Zach Flood and Francis McDonald at, at Canorland, I would say, fall into this bucket. Um, I like Francois Goulet um, a lot at Harfang Exploration. Um, he's uh, kind of the protege, you could say, of, uh, of Andre Gaumont, uh, one of, one of Qu- Quebec's great exploration geologists. Um, you know, Chris, Chris Taylor, obviously, at Great Bear, is a, is a younger, younger gentleman, has done an absolutely amazing job there. But in terms of these, these teams with the, the passion, the geological smarts, um, and, and the focus on a single opportunity. Um, I, I was pretty impressed. And so uh, I will say we're, we're not uh, direct Ridgeline Mineral shareholders in the MJG fund. That's subject to change. Um, we, we have had uh, indirect exposure to them you know, since inception via EMX royalty. Um, but I, I, ha- I know a lot of the shareholders in this company, and they, they've pulled together a really high-quality group of, of people, both from the management side, you know, all the way down the, the share registry. So it, it, was, it, was a great, it was a great trip. It, it, it really was. There was a moment earlier today when we were at uh, Carlin East on top of this hill looking down on the largest gold mine in the world in Gold Strike, and just south of that was Leeville. And I'm and like I'm picturing like the three of us up there, and, and it was kind of like the the why do people take so much risk investing in junior mining, and it's because of the small chance that that project turns into something like Gold Strike, right? You know, and I'm thinking of like the three of us, like how many times we've had to describe to people who know nothing about junior mining and gold exactly what we do and how we do it and how we you know how we go about it and why you know why we do it and how difficult that is just through conversation but in that moment in time this morning the three of us are just like sitting there like holy shit that was powerful wasn't it i mean we literally saw two or three different mills from our perch we saw two or three open pits in action 200 pound haul or 200 ton haul trucks look like ants yeah massive yeah. industrial sized crane you couldn't yeah. even see it until until mike pointed it out two massive tailings facilities but i think the other point and to, to chad and mike's credit here you know the, the, the carl Nice is not just near area play you know it's it's not exciting just because you're a stone's throw away from the operations i think they did a really good job of explaining you know how this mineralization likely accordioned out um in into their property and uh and and why this this isn't just just uh just a bet on, on, on proximity. There's, there's real uh, geological reasons that this deserves to be testing. And, you know, as we saw, they're drill testing it right now with, uh, with a couple rigs going. And uh, it'll be interesting to, to see what the, the assays bring here realistically later in, in Q3. I think these are pretty deep holes. So I'm not expecting anything in the immediate future here. But I think a lot of folks 
in Nevada, smarter folks um, are are following this this program. And uh, I know Nevada Gold Mines is as well because we saw them drilling, you know, just within a couple kilometers uh, of of the Carlinese property. Um, so th- yeah, that that was that was pretty powerful. As far as as far as visiting these early stage projects, like that's about as good as it gets. You see two different rigs in operation. You see. Uh, Nevada gold mines are eggs a couple kilometers away and then the whole display of what's of what's going on there usually if you're if you're visiting even very promising early stage prospects you, you maybe see a couple a couple trenches and uh, a couple casings you know from old drill holes and what have you but here it was the real shebang it was uh it was, it was an enjoyable, enjoyable Louis, visit. Luis what was your take that I mean man I, I remember I turned to you I was like I'm so glad I can see this with you my friend because this is awesome yeah, no, the facial expressions I had on were, were, were priceless. I mean, I think, you know, you, you look at the scale um, of, of that project and, and, and you're, you're, you're kind of uh, lost for words. And then you're, 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 you're sitting on, 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 on Carlin East and you're, you're, you can kind of sort of see how the geology could end up working out um, just based on the, the, the fact that, um, you know, not only it being a neur- neurology uh, situation, but the approach that they're taking, uh, the meticulous approach that they're taking, the, the fact that they decided, you know, uh, last year that they were going to postpone the drilling program to get more information from the, the holes that came out um, in, in, in that area. So, you know, all of that stuff and, and you know, makes you feel um, not necessarily comfortable, but, but it, it gets you excited. Uh, it gets you excited uh, and, and being on the property itself uh, definitely uh, makes a big difference um, in terms of the d- due diligence that goes behind it. So uh, it, was a, it was an incredible feeling um, and, 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 and one that, you know, if I didn't know why I was in the sector, I kind of knew today why. It just, just felt, it just felt like the right place to be. Uh, let's leave it at that. This is my first site visit post-COVID. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's, uh, I'm glad we could, I'm glad we could do this. And most of all, it's just been so, such a breath of fresh air to actually like see you guys and spend a good amount of time with you doing what we love. You know, I mean, that's, we're, I mean, it feels like we're back a little bit. The official opening, reopening of, uh, of site visits. Okay. Can't read to read the blog more often. Luis, Matt, Thank you so much. Thanks for a great couple of days. And thank you so much for giving me some more of your time uh, here on the Mining Stock Daily Podcast. Thanks for having us. Of course. Thanks, Trevor. The information presented should not be considered investment advice. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. Please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decision.